0: Am I, am I lovable? <laughs> am I likable? Am I okay? Am I attractive? Am I making a difference? Do I have a purpose? Kind of the why am I here bit, right? Am I enough? I know a lot of people that are like, you know, Am I valuable in any way? Am I valuable? And so what's the problem with taking our soul questions, what I call horizontally? Because let's say she loves me like crazy. I mean, I know my husband loves me like crazy. And yet if I take my soul question of, am I lovable to him, what's going to happen? Play it out. Okay, who's going to be disappointed? She says, I'm going to be disappointed. Why? Why? It'll never be enough because try as hard as he might, and he does, try as hard as he might, he can never answer my soul question. Because even 26, 31 years actually together, he still doesn't know what I think about when I'm drifting off to sleep. He still doesn't know what it's like to live inside me. He doesn't know my soul. So he can't answer those questions. Are you with me? What you know? And so what we're essentially doing when we take the question of am I making an impact? Do do I matter to, to a person that loves me very much? When we take a soul question horizontally, you know what I'm doing to him? Setting him up for failure. Unfitting judge. Oh, he said, an unfitting judge. That's right. He can't know my soul. Even though I could, you know, take my question of, you know, am I valuable to her? And she could try really hard. But yes, you are. These are the ways you've impacted my life. What happens is when we get that, we're fine and we walk away, right? Nope. It's never enough. Why? Because we know ourselves and we know our soul. And only the author of our soul knows our soul. Nobody knows the latest thought that just flitted through my mind as I was talking to you. Yes, there's one that flitted through my mind about you. Nobody can know that. Except for the author of my soul. So here's the, the critical question about those soul questions, about those longings. Who or what have you been taking your soul questions to? Do you know? Do you know? Let's talk about it. Let's just be together. So what are places that we take our, commonly take our soul questions? Horizontally. Jobs, absolutely. What else? Spouse. What else? Friends? Family? School? Kids? Say it again then? Pastors? What'd you say, Mr. Pinkman? Hmm? Neighbors? So we take our soul questions all sorts of places that they cannot be fulfilled. And so this is a good news for some of us why we're here tonight. This is why you're so struggling in your relationships. You can't figure it out. You can't figure out like why every relationship that you have somehow ends up in some like bad space. Like what's that about? Guess what? Because she can't have the answer to my question. She can't. Right? So it's actually a night of freedom, even though it's a little challenging. Right? Uh, There's a scripture that I have to say just because I like it, because it cracks me up. It says this, it's in 2 Corinthians, (laughs) excuse me, 1 Corinthians 2. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, the Spirit does. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You see, why would we take our soul questions to people who can never know what our thoughts are? Right? Okay. So taking our questions, our deepest longings to people and circumstances for fulfillment will leave us wanting, searching, insatiable, and insecure. I'd love to have, and I'm not gonna make you do it, I'm not gonna do it, but I would just think it would be compelling for us to have everybody who struggles with insecurity in some form or fashion raise your hand. How many people do you think would do that in this room? Right? Tim, was that me? I didn't move. Yes, Lord, we're listening. Each heart is uniquely created by God. So the first thing is we've got to understand when we look at a person's heart that they too have soul questions just like yours. They too have soul questions just like yours. Okay? Each heart is uniquely created by God. This is the second thing when we look at a heart that we are to see immediately. That we see with eyes of faith that each heart uniquely created by God for a specific holy purpose that no one else can fulfill. This is so exciting. I love this stuff. You have a unique identity. I mean, you wanna do it? This is so passe, but I love it. Let's look at your fingerprints real quick and let's do a crowd breaker since we haven't done one. Okay, you ready? I'd like you to find somebody that has the same fingerprints as you. I mean, it's funny, but it's amazing. You have an Ebenezer, which is how you gin your faith into practice by reminding yourself over and over again of the things of God. You have an Ebenezer on your body to tell you, there's only ever supposed to be one of you. Ever, 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 You're not supposed to be like him or like her or like them. You're not supposed to be like your boss. You're not supposed to be like your pastor. You're not supposed to be like... Your best friend, you're not supposed to be like your Bible study leader. You're not supposed to be like. Are you with me? Ever? There's only one of you ever. <laughs> the fingerprints remind you, and, and Ephesians two ten is the tr- is the proof of it. For we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What's a workmanship? Any of you like major craftsmen, people who do things like this for a living? Any of you? So what's a workmanship? That's a hard word. Things you create, yeah. What kinds of creations? That's good. What kinds of creations are they? Individual masterpiece. Do you know many versions of the Bible translate Ephesians 2:10 masterpiece? For you are God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. (laughs) Today it would have been great for me as I was irritated with Mike to be like, he's my he's a masterpiece. He's a masterpiece. <laughs> I think I've actually said that sometimes, masterpiece. <laughs> it's so great. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and said, masterpiece? This is a problem, by the way. You understand, these fingerprints tell us stop looking at people through worldly eyes. They go straight back to where we began tonight. 1 Samuel sixteen seven. for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Each person is uniquely created by God, for purposes that only God can fulfill. So the end of that verse is amazing. God's workmanship prepared for workmanship in Christ Jesus to do works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. There's a list that has your name on it. Somebody shout out your name who I don't know. Come on, Michelle. Michelle Michelle has a list and what's on Michelle's list is like what well, God prepared in advance for her to do. So the footsteps that God has ordered for her life and the things that she's involved in right now and the way that her personality is lying, and the way the neurons fire in her head to process this information on this finite planet, guess what? This is God's list for her. Works, he's prepared in advance for her to do. And when she's done with those, she'll be with him. End of discussion. It's so cool, but you know what's even cooler? That that's only her list, nobody else can do that list. My list, totally different than Michelle's, right? We have lots of problems because we look at other people's lists and go, oh, that's a better list than mine. Or why can't I have that list? Again, look at your fingerprints because your fingerprints can't do her list. Your fingerprints can only do your list the way that God has crafted you, the specificity with which he has crafted you. You can only do that which he has called you to do. You be you, you be you, you be you. Please stop listening to this world. Stop listening to other people that are trying to form you into some other version that's not the you that God made you to be. And can we look at each other that way? Matthew 5 13 through 15 talks about you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the salt of the earth. You have what people want. You have what people are attracted to, whether you feel that way or not. You see, soul? What's the answer to the question of, do I have a purpose? Ephesians 2.10. What's the soul question answered by uh, Matthew 15, Isaiah 5.15? Yes, you're attractive. Oh my, you're attractive. Salt. Mm. You know what salt does. I mean, it's Cinco de Mayo. Let's go. Right? You can feel yourself. Like salt is a, it draws you to it. You're the salt of the earth, man. People want the you that God made you to be. And so when you're acting like somebody else, guess what? You're not very salty. Oh, that's funny. Because the word salty for those of you that, okay. Are you with me though? When you're trying to be someone else, you're, you're putting layers over top of the beautiful masterpiece of God. It's like there's this incredible painting worth millions and millions of dollars, only one of a kind, and you just keep taking blankets and putting over top of that beauty because you think that painting should be different in some way. Do we do that to one another? Do you do that to yourself? Luke 12, six and seven is beautiful. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Here it is indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Psalm 139, 13 through 16, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you have a sense that the work of God that is another person that's in your life, that the gift of God of this person in your life, whether you happen to like them or not, that they're still a beautifully hair on their head numbered, wonderfully made creation of God? And do you believe that about yourself? Again, if you do not, you are not anchored. And you may be wondering, why? Why am I so insecure in this relationship? Why am I always so like still on pins and needles around him or her? You're not anchored. You don't trust the Ebenezer of God on your fingertips. There's only ever supposed to be one of you and you have an awesome purpose that God's prepared for you to do and nobody else can do it. No one else can do what God wants you to do. It's incredible. So every person we know and have in our lives is designed that way on purpose. Okay, so when we see heart, what's the first thing we're looking at? When we're seeing heart, we're seeing that every heart has what kind of questions? Mm-hmm. And the second thing, when we see a person's heart, when we use eyes of faith and look beyond a person's external presentation and by eyes of faith, we look through the lens of faith and we see their heart, the next thing we see is God has a unique pur- purpose for that person. It kind of doesn't matter what I feel about him or her because he's got something he's doing with the that that he created him to be. And I just want to keep looking until I see it. Are you so determined to see the heart of a person or is so much of the outward getting in the way? Okay, the last thing that we're gonna talk about in terms of heart tonight is that every heart, well, let me, let me just ask you something. So I know, we know that people are supposed to be different from us. We're talking about that, you're nodding, right? Ephesians 2.10, every person's a masterpiece created by God, including yourself. They're supposed to be different from us. And yet, if we're honest, isn't it true that pretty much every relationship we've ever had has been disappointing in some way. If we're honest, right? We don't want people to disappoint us, do we? We want them to be consistent and dependable and loving and trustworthy and kind and understanding. So here's the reality about every person's heart as well. That every heart, including yours, is grappling with grief in some form or fashion. Okay. How you doing? Are you tracking with me? Every heart is grappling with grief in some form or fashion. I wonder where you go with that. I'd love for us to dialogue about it. We're kind of a little too big of a crowd to do that, but where do you go with that? Does it immediately make sense to you? Like, oh yeah. Or it's like, what? Nobody's died that I know. Let's talk about it for a little bit. You know Romans 3.23? What does that verse say? Yeah, awesome you guys. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, how many of the people in this room fall short of the glory of God all you want to start naming how you fall short of the glory of God (laughs) No, about yourself not the other person (laughs) all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God everyone falls short of the glory of God and yet if Pastor Bill we to come up here to say goodnight and trip on the steps and like, beep, <laughs> say some mm, cuss word, we'd be like, Ooh, Pastor bell. you know what I mean, rather than, oh, he's fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> are you with me? Or how about the person that led you to faith? I mean, for some of you, it is painful because they are now no longer walking with Jesus, we're gonna talk a lot more about that tomorrow. That's painful. How can that be? They've sinned and they've fallen short of the glory of God. The hardest times, and that's what happened. That's where we started tonight was talking about the excitement and newness of relationship and how great it is to be excited about that relationship. Because we sort of unconsciously are thinking, well, this one will be good. <laughs> Until they fall short of the glory of God. And we are hurt or disappointed or betrayed or wounded. So why do we keep getting surprised when we keep bumping into how people fall short of the glory of God? It is the weirdest thing, but I can, I'm still surprised when Mike disappoints me. Mm. Mm. Well, there's a reason that that's the case. Uh, let's look at John 16:33, also I'll just actually say it for you for sake of time. Jesus himself said it this way, "In this world you will have?" Oh, look at you. You know that verse? <laughs> but the last part of it, he says, "But take heart because I have overcome the world." Oh yeah. He's saying, "The world and me were juxtaposed against each other. Because this world is equated with, "In this world you will have." This world equals trouble. This world equals trouble. So why are we so surprised when washing machines break, when accidents happen, when people let us down? Because he has told us straight up, this is not the place of supreme satisfaction. This world equals trouble. Please, please, Christians, stop misinterpreting that when you have troubles, that when you have struggles, it means somehow that God has left you, that God is not real, that God is disappointed in you. This is incorrect. He has said, in this world, sister, brother, child of God, you're going to have troubles. We're so disappointed when we have troubles. We somehow think unconsciously, in agreement with the satanic scheme, really, that if we're following Jesus with all our heart, we're not going to have troubles. In this world, you're going to have trouble. My child, but take heart, take heart. You know what take heart means? Back to see through the eyes of your heart. Boy, your heart, go back to your heart. Look through eyes of faith, uh, excuse me, lens of faith. Take heart, I've overcome the world. You hide yourself in me and let's go. Uh, That's just my interpretation of Jesus (laughs) right there. But you envelop yourself, you keep pursuing me and there is a clear path through the troubles of this world. And that is the path of shalom. That is the path of true contentment of soul. That is the place in which our soul questions are absolutely answered. He says, can you live from this posture even though you're in this place of trouble? Can you live being anchored, anchored, immovable on the truths of my inheritance, the guarantees that you have about who you are and the value that you have and the promises that you have and the complete power that you have because of my son and what he's done? Can you stay anchored right here as this world is quite troublesome? And you're going to take on water and your parts of your boat are going to be... But will you not move? Some of us are in really bad storms right now. The great news is there's an anchor for your soul. He's immovable. So, Jesus was pretty clear about what we should expect. But the reality is that difficulty in every relationship is not in the forefront of our minds. (laughs) <laughs> When's the last time somebody presented the gospel? Somebody said, "You know, basically, you know, in Christ there are these amazing riches that we have in Him—the capacity for love, joy, peace, and contentment." And by the way, um, you're going to have difficulty in every relationship you have. <laughs> so, why is it so hard for us to live with the fact that people are broken, plain and simple? Right? Why, when the Lord has straight up told us to expect difficulty and sinful people, do we keep getting blindsided by difficulty and sinful people because things are not supposed to be this way. Things are not supposed to be this way. They weren't supposed to be this way. We were not made for brokenness. We were made for Eden and eternity. And this is neither. Amen? So, so we were made for Eden and eternity. I like to call this little space here chapters 4, 5, and 6. Right? So you tell me about every good book you've ever read. What's going on in, you know, good uh, epic novel, epic movie even. What's going on in the uh, basically 4, 5, and 6? What's going on in those chapters? Conflict. Conflict. What else? Drama. Drama. Love, betrayal, abandonment, reunion, rena, right? Isn't that what our relationships are like? Isn't that what this world's like? (laughs) There's so much drama. That's right. And we are restless and we are sad and we are upset and we are disappointed. We are disappointed in the drama. And that's actually correct because we were made for Eden and we were made for eternity. Consider the garden we were built to occupy. The creation account in Genesis makes it plain, listen to this, that man and woman were created for permanent relationship with each other and with God. Sin had not entered the picture in Eden. Adam and Eve were created to enjoy a world without sweat, without weeds, without pain, without suffering, without death. They had unbroken fellowship with God and each other. They had unbroken fellowship with God and each other. Eden, for goodness sake. If you want to know how idyllic things were in the garden, they were naked and not ashamed. (laughs) Doesn't that tell you something about the nature of that? When's the last time you had that happen? (laughs) The two of you that that that's not true for can meet out there, the rest of us will be like, I know. Naked and not ashamed, it was idyllic. No fear in relationship. No self-protection because of fear of rejection. And certainly no question about, will God come through for me? Does God, you know, want to commune with me? Does God have a purpose for me? Any soul questions, right? Absolutely all satiated. But when they sinned, God expelled them and said a redeemer was their only hope to recover what was lost in the garden. So we are in the period of waiting. And because of that, We all carry around a sense of grief. So, grief over the brokenness of self, others, and the world is an escapable part of our lives. You get it? You hear what I'm saying? We were designed for permanent relationships. And so the fact that we are disappointed by sin over and over again, it's because we're clanging against little deaths, if you will, small d deaths. All we who live in this sinful world share a deeply felt pain from disappointment and loss. Little and big, non garden deaths, a severed relationship with irreconcilable differences. It shouldn't be that way, and you know it. You can feel it. Wounds from abuse. You know that is not what my life was meant to have. Neglect, abandonment, dreams and longings left tightly sealed for fear of rejection indifference, even hatred from family members who are now alienated from one another, friends who no longer speak to each other, congregations and church leaders who harshly judge, jobs with no guarantees. Can't you feel your grief? My mom left when uh, I was 12. And of course, our family, boom, And we've been shattered ever since. And I had a text exchange today with uh, a family member, and I could just feel the grief. We're not close, we're not tight. When this happened, that happened. It's sad, isn't it? I wish it wasn't broken. I wonder what it would be like to have a relationship with my brother that didn't involve brokenness. You and I have a million versions of that, don't we? We face minor grief almost daily in some situation or another. In the fall, death, death entered the picture. And what happened was the but the fundamental orientation of humans to unending love relationships has not been altered. Do you get it? Our longing still exists. Dang it! <laughs> you cannot not be drawn to relationship. It would be compelling. And really healing, actually. For those of you who have shut down your part, a part of your heart or shut down some version of yourself for self-protection because you've been hurt before and you've said, I'm not doing that again. You cannot not be drawn to relationship. It's not working. Self-protection isn't keeping you from being hurt. Can I, can I ask for a witness on that? Your brick wall somehow the arrows are still being lobbed over and getting to you. This is not how you were meant to live. In this world, you're going to take arrows. You're going to take on water. But are you anchored? Is your hope in the one who will never leave you nor forsake you? the one who will deliver you to eternity, to a place where there's no more tears and no more crying and no more death and no more suffering and no more pain. Don't you want it today? (laughs) I want it right now and I want it in my relationships primarily. I want to see you like Jesus made you, like God made you, what he intended you for. And yet, I can't because I'm broken and you can't because you're broken this side of eternity. And that's grievous. Such a seemingly inconsequential thing as your spouse's phoning at the last minute to say he or she won't be coming to the event you had planned on going to, or perhaps the boss under whom you have worked happily for 10 years suddenly transferred. Do you see how these little and big losses are like deaths, small d deaths? Grief, folks, isn't just associated with physical death. Grief is the normal and natural emotional reaction to loss or change of any kind. It is defined as keen mental suffering or distress over affliction or loss, sharp sorrow, painful regret. You understand mourning is what grief looks like on the outside. Nobody can tell the grief that you have on the inside. Grief is not equal to tears. Grief does not, grief does not, it's not, grief is not out here. That's what mourning looks like. And everyone mourns differently, but everyone, many people can be carrying grief. We all are in some form or fashion, but some people can be carrying deep grief and you can't ever see it on the outside. This is why seeing hope in relationship means that you see that in the heart and you know that, that you know about the person sitting next to you, about the people in your workplace, about the people that you bump into on the street, about the people that you live with, that inside their heart they too are sad because they don't want to be broken and they don't want you to be broken. And we have a longing that comes out of that. Okay, this is my last point of tonight, which is this. If we don't, okay, are you, are you doing good? You're like, you're talking about grief. What are you talking about? We're not doing good, okay. But are you hanging in there? You guys are fantastic. Listen, this is critical for us to understand. If we don't understand grief, we will misinterpret it. If we do not understand grief, we will misinterpret it. If we don't understand the battle of our hearts, we will often misinterpret grief and make sabotaging choices from it. Would somebody be willing to share what comes to your mind when you hear that? How could we misinterpret grief? What might we misinterpret it for? Okay. So, this is good. So when we misinterpret grief, okay it could be like oh well he's not treating me lovingly all the time i need a new spouse this workplace is filled with people that are nice one minute and not nice the next minute i need a new job this church i mean i walked by the pastor in the hallway and he didn't even say hi to me i'm out i need a new church are you with me? If we don't understand, everyone is broken. And they'll disappoint us at some, pl- in some, at some point. We're going to misinterpret it. She doesn't love me. He's not being faithful to me. He said he would change that, and he hasn't changed that. He's not really in this for the long haul. You see? We misinterpret grief. Grief. We misinterpret grief like something's wrong with me. I must not be a good enough Christian. I'm not happy all the time. What's the matter with my faith? Is God not with me? We misinterpret it. God must be not be with me if I feel sad today. See how we misinterpret grief? Yeah. If we don't understand about all of our hearts, we're often going to misinterpret it. So let's recap. Seeing another's heart. He or she has longings and questions just like mine. She is longing to be desired and valuable. He is longing to make an impact just like you. You understand nobody's walking around going, I got it, I feel good, I'm completely secure in every way, shape or form. I need nothing. (laughs) That's impossible on this planet. Are you with me? Can you see the people in your lives, can you look to their hearts and you see their longings? The second thing you see is, remember, they were made that way on purpose by God. <clears throat> and they've got a purpose that only God can fulfill through them. And that they have a specific list that's theirs and only they can do it. And that he and she, she, he or she is facing the same kind of brokenness of family, friends, and self in this world. She has grief, he has grief. So, can you see people as having the same longings you do? Seeing that they're special and unique and different on purpose, God wanted them that way, and that they too are disappointed by the brokenness of themselves and others. So today I was uh, I was at a tennis clinic this morning, and, and it was funny. I don't know why it was, this was getting under my craw, other than maybe to share it with you tonight. So I I am involved and interact quite a bit with this one. Uh, she's a tennis pro, and um, we actually play side by side on a team and are often paired together. And there was some something about today just made me start thinking that. So and so doesn't like me. I don't think so and so has ever given me a compliment. So and so acts rather irritated. So and so is really harsh and cold. And then you know where my mind went. What did I ever do to so and so? I have been nothing but nice. I'm even nice to her when she mean to me. What is it? Are you with me? I started going there. And I was so thankful to the Lord to remind me hang on. What's going on with her heart? Look at her heart. She's longing. She's grieving. She doesn't like her own brokenness. She doesn't like other people's brokenness. And I do believe she's lost, actually. Changed. That whole train of thought went totally away. When we look at other people's hearts, we are asking the Father to give us his eyes, and guess what happens? You start seeing that person that is grumpy and mean as, oh, God sees a wounded animal under a bed. Have you ever tried to help a wounded animal? What do you think that animal is going to do? Desperately needs your help. Desperately needs you to reach in there. Desperately needs you to pull them out. And that animal is going to do what? Bear its teeth and maybe even bite you. Who in your life is so wounded? They're like that animal. Maybe when you look through eyes of faith, you'll see that that person that looks like they have it all together, oh, they have no one that really knows their heart. Because of the way they came out of their childhood, they felt like they could never let anybody know them again. How about the person that talks excessively? Blah, 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 blah. Can you look beyond it? It's hard, it's hard, but Jesus, give me your eyes. Can you look beyond it? And what do you see? What do you see? When you see a person that's talking, talking, talking too much, oh man, he's so desperate for what? To be seen? Don't you want to tell him, ah, oh, the Father sees you? You don't have to keep crying, trying to shake it out of the people around you by, well, will you answer my soul question? Please answer my soul question. Please answer my soul question. You know, we do that. When we are not anchored, that's what we do. Okay, maybe if I can just, you know, get this group of people to like me, maybe if I can get just this, this promotion, maybe if I can be, you know, put on the, on the wall of success, ah, then I'll feel better. Mm-mm. Anyhow, can you see people differently by looking through eyes of faith? So tomorrow, we're gonna talk about even more compelling ways that God will allow us to specifically see things that will change, and I do mean every relationship that we have. But we have to be willing to look at the heart of ourselves and other people. So here's my question. Actually, I'll tell you, uh, one of the things I started, and this is because I've been a counselor for, like I said, a bazillion years. And um, many years ago, I just decided this is what I was going to do. I was going (laughs) to start assuming... uh, Okay, the backdrop is this. I've literally had politicians, yes, from the city of Columbus, on my couch. I've had people that have been billionaires. I have people that drive in from other cities and some fly in from other cities. That's only because I've been around for a long time. And uh, anyhow, they come in. And so I've had paupers and I've had, you know, princes on my couch, so to speak. And guess what? I am not exaggerating. Same issues. Same issues. So i just started because of that wonderful gift that god has given me uh because of being around so many people i just started to assume that everybody everyone i meet is insecure feeling lonely in a crowd um and dealing with one or two very major things inside their life inside their souls in their lives isn't it true aren't you dealing with something right now absolutely aren't you dealing with something right now (laughs) aren't you struggling with something are you Are you with me? I have issues. You want to know mine? You know what I'm saying? We have got to have this assumption. And when you do that, it's a way for us to get to eyes of faith. To start to see people through eyes of faith. And then what happens? When we see the heart, when we look at the heart, oh, then. Then the one who lives love, who lives love himself, who lives in us, can start to flow. But when we're looking at the outward appearance, we block the life of Christ going to that person from our spirit to theirs. So the question tonight is this, who do you need to see through different eyes? Who do you need to see through different eyes? Whose heart do you need to start looking at instead of their outward appearance? You all are awesome, would you do me a favor and put your hand on one another? Sorry, appropriately. God, I thank you for the people that we touch. I just thank you that they're a reminder we need each other. I thank you that they're a reminder that who you have made them to be is who you want them to be. I thank you, God, that they're a reminder that we're all in a place of sadness and grief in some ways until we get to see you face to face. And until that time, Jesus, our only hope for our souls to be satisfied is actually you. And yet, it's it's amazing, you're enough. You are enough. God, I pray that tomorrow as we talk about that, that you would just continue to enliven your word. And so right now I pray, Spirit of God, you would seal everything that you wanted to do in each one of us. That the thing that you wanted us to hear, Jesus, would you, just by your grace alone, have us not forget it. Thank you for these beautiful people, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful time. Spirit of God, I ask you to seal it now as we continue to worship you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
1: Isn't she great? Yeah? Good stuff. So, if anybody would like prayer for anything, specifically any of the things that Tammy touched on tonight, Maybe you feel like you're not anchored, and you just want God to, to center you and, and anchor your your heart, come forward, and we'll have we can have somebody pray for you, or just you know even maybe I was thinking when she talked about the list, and and in a sense that's comparing. So if anybody feels like you know you can't focus on your own list, you're worried about everybody else's list because you think theirs is better, you just want some perspective on focusing on your list and what God has for you you can come forward and have somebody pray for you and also when she talked about masterpiece I know probably 95% of us don't look at ourselves as God's masterpiece but um, I think we are and I'm, I'm one of them who don't look that way but if you would just like prayer for that I would encourage you to come up and let somebody pray for you and just bless you and if it, just anything else that has come up through Tammy's talk, I would just encourage you to come up and uh, let someone pray for you and bless you. And uh, Jonathan's going to worship us out. So, come forward, please.
2: We need So will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Jesus, be the Savior.
1: Second, John, i thinking maybe sing another song, but uh, I just bless you guys, and I I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow and seeing what God has for us tomorrow. Um, just as a side note, Tammy um, does have a resource table out in the lobby um, with some of her books, uh, and DVDs, and other things. So feel free to check that out if you were interested in any of that. Otherwise, I just bless you guys and. Uh, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Good night.